Welcome to the Healing Your Soul podcast with Katie Souza. This program is designed for those eager for the supernatural to flow in their lives, as well as to have a healthy soul. Would you join Katie as she shares from scripture and experience the critical importance of a well soul? We've got a great new episode planned for you, so let's dive into today's show. Trauma wounds your soul, and when your soul is wounded by that trauma, it can cause you to get sick. It can cause diseases and disorders to develop in you, and it can also prevent you from getting healed of the effects of a trauma. You see people, you know, 10, 15, 20 years later, not ever being able to fully recover from a cause, from an injury in an accident. And there's a reason why. Because in that accident, not only did they break a bone or something else, but they wounded their soul. Their soul was wounded by the trauma. Trauma does come in many forms. It's not just something so obvious like a car accident or something like that. Maybe you, you've had a other myriad of different circumstances that you've gone through. Maybe you lost your job and then your car and then your house or, or you lost your children and, or had an ugly divorce. Maybe one of your family members passed away or you yourself have lived through a long sickness or illness or one of your loved ones has and you've been there with them during the entire time. All those things and a myriad more circumstances can traumatize you and wound you. So how do you get these wounds healed? Well, that's the message I'm going to preach over and over and over and over and over again with no shame. It's all about Jesus. It's his cross and it's his resurrection. Amen. Why would we need to have the blood when we're trying to get the wounds healed in our soul that came from trauma? Because you know what? A lot of times there's sin involved in trauma. Somebody could have hit you and they were drunk. You could have hit somebody in your car and you were drunk. Maybe I need to forgive someone who hurt me and sinned against me. Amen? So you always start with the blood. But then you don't stop there, do you? When you're healing a wound in your soul, you need the blood and you need dunamis. You need the blood from the cross, but you need the power called dunamis that comes through the resurrection. How did Jesus heal that woman that had been traumatized for 12 years? He used dunamis. He used dunamis. Did you hear what I said? He used dunamis. I am going to talk about my latest drama trauma story but it has such an amazing ending amen do you want to hear the story not too many months ago amy dawson and i were on tour amy's my videographer we went to tennessee for a meeting we had a conference there before the conference we went to go see some very good friends of ours the vancouverings and then we had to rent a car and then after the visit we drove back to the airport to meet with our host our driver, Gary Beaton, picked us up in his car. We got in. Amy got in the passenger side in the front. I got in the, in the back behind her, and we belted in. We took off down the highway. The highway we were traveling on, this is in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's called the Alcoa Highway. They nickname it the All-Killer Highway because there are so many deadly accidents on this highway. 
The reason is, is because there's storefronts all along the highway, but there's very few um, cross streets with a stoplight. So you always have people coming out of the stores, and they just jump across the traffic so they can get to the other side of the freeway and then go the opposite way. So we were traveling down the highway about highway speed. We'd been in the car less than three minutes, I think, when suddenly we were alongside another car that turned off. And the guy that was jumping out of a driveway, a parking lot, did not see us because we were alongside that car. And he jumped out in front of us while we were doing 60 miles an hour. We could not avoid him. Our driver, Gary, swerved violently into the medium. But this guy thought he could outrace us or outbeat us. So he punched it at the same time. So he accelerated and we ended up meeting. And we smashed head on into the side of his vehicle. The impact was so violent that even though Amy was completely belted in, she slammed her head on the top of the car. And she had a severe concussion that affected her speech, her ability to talk, her ability to think. The car window just shattered out because of the airbag exploding. And eyewitnesses on the scene, two eyewitnesses, said that Amy's leg was broken. Our driver, Gary Beaton, looked over and said that her bones were twisted the wrong way. So he knew that her leg was broken. And then later on, I heard an ambulance driver say, the other one's leg is broken. Gary Beaton, our driver, he punctured a lung and got three broken ribs. I was in the back seat, and all I had on was this old-fashioned lap belt. The car was old. It didn't have a shoulder belt. So I kind of, at high speed, folded in half. And the impact was so violent that I immediately developed what's called a hemothorax. A hemothorax is when you start internally bleeding inside your chest wall. And my chest wall started filling up with blood. And what that does is it compacts your lungs so that you can't breathe. And simultaneously, my lungs were filling up with fluid. So that made it, it makes it feel like you're drowning and uh, somebody's choking you at the same time. And I got two broken ribs. So as soon as the impact happened, I couldn't breathe at all. So I'm in the back seat doing this. Trying to suck in air, and I can't. Now, my mind is racing with all these thoughts like, okay, okay, you just got the air knocked out of you. You know, uh, you're supposed to breathe out first, and then you're going to breathe in. So I'm in the car trying to breathe out. I'm going, and I can't. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening at all. And I'm, you know, you start to panic. I can really, I can really resonate right now with, with people that have um, respiratory issues or have had choking experiences or near drowning experiences, because man, when you can't breathe, you freak out. It's very, very frightening. So that is happening in the back seat. And Amy was screaming so loud, I, I could barely even hear anything, and I'm, I'm trying to talk. I can't talk at all because I can't breathe. Two Hispanic men come running across the street, and they try to pull us out of the car, but they couldn't get Amy's door open. She was pinned, and they later on had to cut her out with the jaws of life. They couldn't get my door open. They come around to the other side. They get Gary out, and then Gary and them come and open that side and drag me across all the bags and all the seat to get me out. Now, we're, I'm outside now, and the ambulance came very quickly, and they throw me down on the pavement, and here comes the ambulance guys, and they, they stick oxygen on my face, and of course, I can't talk to them. Somebody had gotten Amy's phone 
out of uh, her pocket or something, or they found it right there, and they called Teresa, who, is, uh, who was our office manager at the time. She ran across the street to my husband, and now they're listening to everything. They're listening to the screaming and the ambulance drivers and everything over the phone, but nobody's talking to them because I can't talk. Nobody else can talk, and I think Gary ended up with a phone in his pocket. So they heard everything play by play, but without being able to ask us what was going on. So they're completely freaked out. Now they've got me on the ground with oxygen on my face. And they are, these guys are from Tennessee, you gotta remember, which is hysterical thinking about it now, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But they're in there and they're trying to help me, but I can't talk to them. I can't tell them what's going on. They're like going, ma'am, ma'am, what's your name, ma'am? And I'm like, uh, uh. <laughs> like I can't tell you, I can't talk. You know, I'm like, where is it, her, ma'am? And I'm like, uh, You know, and they just, they keep on yelling at me, and they come, and they, they bring this big collar, you know, the big collar that goes around your neck to protect your neck from getting broken. So now I can't breathe, but I've got this big collar on, or that really helps you when you can't breathe, to have the big collar on, right? It's kind of like having that big dog collar on, you're trying to scratch and itch, and you can't get to the place that's itching, you know, the big collar. And uh, they've got the collar on me, and then they bring out the board, the stiff board that they throw you on so they can get you into the ambulance, right? So they bring it out and they put me on this board and they're trying to pin me down flat to tape me or to strap me to the board. But for some reason, every time they did, every time they tried to push my body down flat, it cut off completely the little bit of air that I was finally getting. Because finally when they put the oxygen mask on, I was able to take a little tiny breath and then let it out like that. But as soon as they pressed me down flat, it cut the air off again completely. So I am trying to communicate because I can't speak. So all I can do is kick, right? So I'm like kicking, trying to kick these guys. And they're going, ma'am, ma'am, stop it, ma'am, stop it. And I'm like, oh, you stop it. I'm going to kick you in the face. Get your hand off of my body. They're like, stop fighting, ma'am, stop it. And the wrestling match ensued, right? And finally, I was, I was not going to lose this wrestling match because I was not going to die from not being able to breathe, right? So I won because I have that kind of anointing. I won the wrestling match, and they finally left me alone, and I ended up, like, for 40 minutes, propping myself up sideways with this leg so that I could breathe. Now, what happened during the wrestling match is all of a sudden, excruciating pain starts ripping down my back. Like, I mean, like, oh my gosh, pain. Like, I've now broken my back. I fought with these guys over, you know, being able to breathe, and now what my back was already there, and now I've broken it. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, right? I can't talk. I can't tell anybody how I'm feeling the excruciating pain. I'm holding myself up with one leg. They finally get me into the ambulance. Now, in the middle of all this, God was already doing stuff because that's just the way he is, amen? So I am in the ambulance. I have to wait for them to get Amy out because there were so many accidents that night. There was only one ambulance. We came to find out later on that it was a Satanist high holy night. They have four a year, and that was one of them. I think somebody doesn't like us. Too bad. You know? And so they cut Amy out of the car. I had to wait. And so now remember, eyewitnesses, Gary, Gary, our driver, and the ambulance guy said that Amy's leg was broken. So now all of a sudden they get Amy out of the car 
And I hear the ambulance guy outside the ambulance, and he says this, wow, that's amazing. I, I guess the other one's leg isn't broken after all. Who do you think did that? Yeah, you can cheer louder than that. Okay. So they get Amy in the car, and she's wanting to know, are you okay, are you okay, are you okay? And I can't talk. So I just kind of put my hand over, and I grabbed her because she was right next to me. And they whisk us off to the, to the hospital. We get to the hospital, and now I'm in, I'm in bad shape. The, the blood is filled up so much from the, from the internal bleeding that it's almost cut off every bit of the tiny air I'm getting. And I'm like, <laughs> in the hallway. I'm in severe respiratory an emergency. And they call for a surgeon to come to the OR. And so I guess what I'm told is the procedure for hemothorax is that they have to take you in the OR, drill a hole in your chest, stick a tube in the chest, and suck out the blood. And that relieves the pressure on the lungs so the lungs can fill up again and breathe. So they roll me into the OR, and I'm serious. As soon as I rolled through the doors, the doors shut behind me. All of a sudden, in one instant, in one second, I could go, <gasps> I sucked in a breath, and I could talk, and, all the, and the pain was gone. Yeah. And I was shocked. I was shocked. Amy said she heard it happen. I started talking to the ambulance driver right away, and Amy said she heard it happen. She was on the other side of the, of the OR door, and she said, all of a sudden, she heard me go, <gasps> I guess that's what you do when you haven't breathed for like 40 minutes. You take a big, long breath. And then she heard me start talking. And so my ambulance driver was there, and he had told me his name. And I go, David, did you give me something like a pill or a shot or something? And he goes, no, I'm not allowed to give you anything. I go, well, I've had a miracle from God. I can breathe. My pain is, is totally diminished. My back it doesn't feel like it's broken. I can talk. And he's looking at me like, I believe it, because he had been trying to get me to talk for 40 minutes. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Where's the pain? All this other stuff, right? So now, everybody starts coming in the OR, the nurses, the doctors, and all that, and everybody that comes in, I do this, hi, my name is Katie Souza. I just got a miracle. Next person comes in, hi, my name is Katie Souza. I just got a miracle. Next person comes in, hi, my name is Katie Souza. I just got a miracle miracle, right? Then here comes the surgeon. He walks in. I go, hi, my name is Katie Sousa. I just got a miracle. And he comes in and he starts asking me what happened. And I tell him about everything, how I couldn't breathe and how I thought, you know, my back was broken and how I had the excruciating pain and I couldn't talk. And then I said, and then one instant, one instant, I could talk and my pain is significantly reduced and, and I can breathe. And it's, and it's amazing. I've had a miracle. And he's looking at me and he gets mad. <laughs> he gets mad. Who called me down here? There's a billion accidents tonight. Somebody called me here for a respiratory emergency. And this woman can breathe just fine. And he stomps out of the, the room, out of the OR room. And I'm sitting there happy. Yeah, I got a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> Later on, they took me for an MRI. And uh, I still had the broken ribs. The blood was still in the chest wall. But mysteriously, the bleeding had just stopped on its own. I still even had the fluid in my lungs, but they said, okay, your body will absorb all that. But we're just concerned about the bleeding. It stops, so you're going to be okay. 
Amen. And it was, it was, it was so awesome. You know, I'm laying in the OR room still. They left me there all night. And, and then all of a sudden, all the people start coming in from the church that we were going to do the meeting at. Pastor Russ and all of his wonderful peeps at his church. And they all started coming in. And I tell you what, nothing like meeting people for the first time when you're like on a gurney covered with asphalt and not looking like your glamorous self. <laughs> Okay, you get to know these people like really well, really fast. The hospital was shorthanded that night, and one of his peeps, his intercessors, Judy, was a nurse. So Judy emptied my bedpan five times. It's like if she had any image of Katie Souza when she walked in that OR, it was blown to bits that night. All right? I got to know them very fast in a very short time. And so Amy went, she went and got her MRI and the, it was, they had, they checked her leg because that first report that the ambulance driver said, they had written it down that her leg was broken. So they wanted to definitely have an x-ray because they couldn't understand why all of a sudden it appeared not to be. So they had all that checked and they found out she had, you know, this very, very bad concussion and everything else. And Gary had the ribs and everything else. And we stayed in there all night. We had to go through all these different rigorous tests. I had to breathe a certain amount to get out. I had to breathe on a respirator and I was only able to get 500 at first, but they said, we won't let you go until 2,500. And so we were going through all that. And then that's when I got a call. I got to talk to my husband. Thank you, God. And he was completely broken. You know, he was like, you know how you get so crazed when something happens to somebody you love? You're like, all right, I'm going to hire a private jet. It's only 14 grand. I'll, I'll sell something on eBay. <laughs> you know? It's like, no, you've lost your mind. He's like, no, no, okay. All right, all right. So look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to buy you tickets, but we're going to get you first class because it's easier to ride in first class when you're injured. And you're going to leave tomorrow. I said, Tomorrow? I said, no, oh, no, no, no. I can't get on a plane tomorrow. There's no way. I mean, I've spent a lot of times on planes, and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get on a plane tomorrow. I have to make a, a, there's a, there's a connection in Atlanta. It's one of the busiest airports in America. There's no way. I'm not going to leave. I'm not going in the plane. And I start, I start turning into Katie the baby instead of Katie the warrior princess, right? I'm like, I'm not going in the plane. I'm not. I won't do it, right? I turn into like that. And they're like, no, we need to get you home because you're in shock right now. You still have adrenaline in you. But once it wears off, you're going to be miserable. You got to get home. I'm like, I can't do it again, again. And I'm like, I turned to Pastor Russell and said, Pastor, I can do the meeting. I can just put a chair on the stage. I'll be fine. And the pastor's like, that's not going to happen. It's not. And I'm like, but all the people. He goes, they'll understand. You know, covered with lacerations, asphalt, broken ribs. Yeah, right, Kate. Do the meeting. Good call. You can get a word of knowledge for yourself. Yeah, that's it. So they finally, they, they release us from the hospital, right? And now we've only got a few hours until the plane trip, right? And so there's a, a hotel right there um, by the airport. So they take it to us. And now they've given me pain pills. I told them, don't give me pain pills. See, now that I'm not a dope addict anymore, I'm very sensitive to pain pills. I can't even drink coffee without freaking out. All right? So they gave me the pain pills anyway. And so now there I am. You know, at the curb of the Hilton outside while pastor's checking us in, dry heaving from the pain pills, right? And Amy's there, you know, with her little crippled self. And I'm like, oh, 
And she's like, it's okay, Kate. I'll hold your hair back. Let her fly, babe. Just let her fly. <laughs> and we get up to the room, and oh my gosh, we're messing in the room. We're trying to just, just taking off your clothes, you know, to try to get into bed. It's like, ah. I felt like the cowardly lion in the Wizard of Oz. You know, I'm in the shower. I'm like, oh, 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 freaking out. Amy's out there. Are you okay? Hey, are you okay? This is the kind of story that is funny only way after the fact. But if you're still in the middle of the trauma, it's probably not funny at all. But let me challenge you right now. Don't get swept up on focusing on the pain of the trauma. That will just make the wound go deeper. Let's focus on getting healed right now. I wanna pray for you. Let's start with the blood. Maybe you need to forgive someone that is involved in your trauma. You know who that is because they're gonna to come to your mind right now. Let's just lift that person up to the Lord and forgive them for anything they did in any way to injure you. So pray this with me now. Just say, Lord, I forgive them for what they've done to me. And I repent for being angry at them and holding unforgiveness in my heart towards them. Forgive them and wash me clean of my sins of unforgiveness, of anger and offense. And Lord, I also ask that you forgive me for any sin that I might have committed that's connected with this trauma. Put your blood on every one of those sins. I receive the power of the cross into my soul right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're not gonna stop there because you still have a wound in your soul that came from that trauma. Remember, we must always partake of the blood from the cross as well as the dunamis power that comes from the resurrection. When you were baptized into Christ, you went down in death with Him at the cross, but you also came up to new life with Him at the resurrection. Let's appropriate that new life now. Just pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I have new life in my soul and in my body because of your power, the power of your resurrection. Fill me with that dunamis power right now. Dunamis means excellence of soul, and that's what I am. I am excellent in my inner man. I'm being healed of every wound that has come from my trauma. I'm being filled with dunamis now and I am excellent of soul. I decree it, I receive it, and I believe it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. Thanks for spending your time with us. God bless.